1997, Steve Dunstan and his then business partner Dan Buckley started what was to become one of New Zealand's most loved and most recognisable fashion brands. Rooted in street, skate and snow culture, Huffer grew and grew through careful nurturing of social groups, tapping into music and fashion in an organic and natural way. Memorable designs from the brand that are etched in people's minds include the now rare as hen's teeth iHuffer NZTs or the Aotearoa digital matte print tee. Orlando Bloom famously wore his own orange iHuffer NZT to the Lord of the Rings premiere in Wellington in 2003, swiftly followed by the decision by Huffer to halt production on the original tees in order to preserve their integrity and not cash in on the hype. Over the years, the brand has evolved to the mature form it takes today, although the shape it resembles now leaves plenty of room for further growth and transformation. In recent years, Huffer's confident retail expansion has taken shape, leaving behind the all-too-common traits that tend to define most New Zealand fashion brands, that being a sole reliance on wholesale and a tendency not to push new boundaries too hard. Rather, Steve Dunstan and his new executive team have done quite the opposite, taking the brand up a notch and looking the New Zealand market square in the eye, while also reaching further overseas for retail expansion into Australia and market expansion into the USA. Closer to home, Huffer has recently turned its attention and that of its ever-growing fanbase towards improving awareness and care for mental health. Their people presence campaigns and product lines document individuals and their journeys, sharing real-life stories of local Kiwis to encourage people to stay connected. The 2020 campaign was shot in the shell of what will soon become Huffer's next big project, Huffer House. And it's this community-minded, creative hub that founder Steve Dunstan joins me to discuss today. So it's my pleasure to welcome to Fashion and Focus a good friend and Mr. Huffer himself, Steve Dunstan. Hi. Hi, Murray. Steve. How you going, man? Good to have you in the studio. Great to be here. And, um, <laughs> wow, as you just, um, you know, uh, with that introduction, just, you know, wow, it was just, just caught me, you know, like mm. you get so caught up in what you do and to have someone, you know, rushing rush around a busy day, come and sit on this nice couch and, you know, to have it um, presented back to you is quite Quite, a, quite an experience. How, how wow. did I do nailing the uh, 20 plus years in about two and a half minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did better than me. When I try and tell that story, it takes hours and I talk around several. So. <laughs> well, Steve, you mentioned before we started recording that we should just have a, a, a chat, which probably we need about four hours to catch up on everything. But um, it is a, it's a nice time to kind of look back a little bit on what you've achieved without getting into the minute of everything. But when you think back to those early years at Huffer, I remember you and Dan even saying that one of you was like sleeping under the pattern table at night in those in that initial first office in Grey's Ave, which I think was even smaller maybe than that one you had, the big 42 Grey's Ave, where Lord did her Pure Heroin album release. That's right, yep. Like it was, you know, we're talking about like the, you know, the bones of the business just starting it up. You guys were yep. at... Um, uh, what was that cafe that you guys used to hit up on Potsby Road? Espresso. Oh, and then uh, Santos. Yeah. Santos. Marcelo, you know, like, what's up? <laughs> so, you know, what were those early days like and what are your best memories from those days growing the business just through guts and love and passion? Yeah, it was funny you say um, growing the business. Um, that word wasn't in the vocab. It wasn't really about that. Um, well, it was, but, you know, the, the passion, the drive and the fact that, yeah, I think Dan definitely slept under the cutting table uh, many nights and 
well, yeah, I, I didn't have weekends for the first three or four years and, mm. um, you know, it, it didn't really matter because it wasn't, it was about building a community, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, a brand which can harbour a community. So, But uh, even then, I don't think you probably would have been going, and this is, it, it's the terminology, I think, that a lot of younger designers and people in our industry, they go, I'm starting a brand. Mm. You don't start a brand. A brand is made over time. Yeah, yeah. You were just doing something that you loved and was cool and you had a great bunch of guys that would wear your T-shirts and spread the word, <laughs> That's right? That's funny when you say that. When you say, oh, I'm going to start a brand. It's like um, I remember someone telling me, um, someone I knew previously, they said, oh, I've decided that I'm, I'm going to become an influencer. And I was like, oh, how is that? <laughs> how do you decide that? <laughs> you can't decide that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not up to you. But um, So, yeah, like a brand, you can't um, – yeah, it's hard to decide to start one. I suppose you can decide to start the business, but um, if you build the body around it to harness and enable um, a culture to mm. sort of bubble up from it. And, then and back then you guys you guys had a really intense crew of friends who were from the skate, surf, snow communities. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't, you didn't, I wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't ever really use those words, oh, I saw a gap in the market. Because you no. were just doing something cool for your mates. Yeah, well, it which comes was so pure. Yeah, you know? yeah, well, it came out of the, um, you know, board sports, I suppose, you know, skateboarding and then, you know, snowboarding, which were at that time closely aligned with the, the, cult the cultural sort of influences from it. Um, to me, snowboarding back in that time was, you know, skateboarding on the snow. It's, mm. it's very different now. And you it's, were it's a pro snowboarder, right? Based in yeah, well, you know, Queenstown? Pro. For... <laughs> Semi pro. <laughs> what was that pro? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I managed to, yeah, I managed to live in, you know, um, back to back winters and um, sort of get by. I wouldn't say I was mm. going to retire from it. <laughs> you didn't need much back then. But um, yeah, yeah, I did. And then, you know, living and breathing it, um, it, it forced us into creating. Um, you know, I suppose the clothing and, you know, starting with waterproof, breathable snowboard outerwear, mm -hmm. um, you know, we wanted to skateboard on the snow and look like skateboarders. So mm. we didn't want to wear European ski suits. So, um, you know, an, an expression being a massive part of snowboarding and skateboarding, it's how you look and how it feels and, um, you know, the clothing sort of enabled that part mm. of the expression. So Full personality expression on the slopes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. In 1997 and, mm. you know, in the years before it, you know, the 90s really shaped us, you know, what mm. um, what we, you know, what we lived and breathed in the 90s pre, you know, pre Huffer starting, I think, you know, the 90s was such an incubator of, of the culture that made us start in 97. But mm. I think, yeah, point being um, just... You know, it just it, it gave birth out of just the want for ultimate expression. Mm. But then the exciting thing is, you know, with snowboarding, the functionality, you know, you, you actually got to survive in the snow in the mountains. So, yeah. you know, the, the technical aspect. And um, and I think that's something that a lot of people that cottoned onto the brand early on and were buying shorts, you know, sweaters, crewnecks, hoodies, T-shirts. Yeah. I remember when you guys almost had to tell people again that you're a technical outerwear company. And I remember there was that moment we were doing some work together in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember us having to go back to people and kind of retrain them and re-educate them and go, hey, Hover's actually a technical outerwear company. And they're like, no, 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 they're those guys that do those iconic tees. Those guys are cool. And it's like, no, 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 their yeah. DNA is actually on the slopes and stuff that's going to keep you dry and warm, you know. Yeah. The T-shirt, you know, the, the Huffer T-shirt, to me, should represent what we stand for being, you know, um, that functional, expressive um, mm. product and clothing, you know. Mm. But also, 
I think, a small token or a little flag that you belong to a little club. Yes. You know, like people yes. that buy into those kind of um, iconic fashion moments, yeah. it's a little nod to the person next to them that I stand for this and I'm in that crowd. And yeah. we're the same because we share yeah. expression or interest or passion or whatever, you know? And that, and that gives you, you know, we all feel like, you know, it's important to have purpose and belonging are really mm. important things and yeah. and to um, align with, you know, um, values, I suppose. And, mm. and um, you know, what, what certain brands stand for then, and you know, that's yeah. ultimately community, yeah, community which is yeah. it's great. I mean, not it hasn't even been manipulated. It's just there in the DNA of why Huffer even began. When we get to Huffer House later on, yeah, yeah. it seems like the manifestation of over 20 years of thinking mm. and working, you know. So, Steve, tell us about kind of that, that I mean, it's crazy thing. I'm not asking you to condense uh, 10 or 15 years into five minutes, but... The growth of Huffer was exceptional, and so many, many brands in New Zealand would have tried to mimic that. But again, it was organic, and you were just feeling your way through it at the beginning. Yeah. And it would have started into wholesale and, like, knowing mates that had stores in, like, Mount Maunganui and Queenstown and exactly. Raglan and everything else. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here you are with this string of uber-successful retail stores in Australia, and you've just opened one in Telpo. Is that right? That's correct, yes. So... How's that journey been? Like, this is a real booming, multi-million-dollar company. Yeah. But there you sit on the couch, still the same relaxed guy in a black huffer t-shirt and sneakers <laughs> that you were close to what twenty-three years ago 23 when you years started. Ago. This, yeah, man. yeah. Well, how's that? Well, it's great that you... <laughs> how do you achieve? How do you achieve this? It's great that you know I appear that way. <laughs> we are in the You've midst got very of, mature uh, uh, spectacles on <laughs> and a nice watch. Oh man. Mm. Um, yeah, well, far out. So, yeah, it, it is. Um, I'm I'm trying to practice um, the art of trying to tell that story because, you know, um, there's so many highs and lows and mm. aspects, and you know, it's it's been a part of my life, a massive part of my life. You know, um, half my life. It's been your life. Yeah, it almost. has been my life. Like, you know, people that uh, know the modern day Steve, you and Huffa are hard to separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, which is interesting, but um, yeah. You know, growing from that very, you know, niche subculture, which was, um, you know, coming back to some skateboarders that went snowboarding mm. and wanted to take skateboarding to the snow and having the prior, you know, the clothing that had the functional aspects, um, but then the, the ultimate expression to make you feel good, look good, do it well and enjoy what you're doing. Um, you know, with, as you are talking about our, our phenomenal growth and it, it was, it was, and you know, though it was based on, um, you know, there was so much passion and, you know, having the, that community and family, mm. um, you know, and, and taking it on a journey. There was some massive challenges, and we had to make some quite big decisions along the way um, that just had huge consequences. That, you know, at the time, you didn't really, you know, mm. you, you mentioned the Orlando Bloom moment mm. that was. Um, you know, there was not, that just happened, and um, I didn't really think too much about it. But it was at a time when, I suppose, you know, just to I suppose for the listeners, if you know, we're we're essentially a skateboard snowboard um, uh, brand with a very tight subculture, and then you know, we you know people wanted to 
uh, wanted a piece of it. So we started mm. expanding outside of that. And that was, that was a very hard transition. Like, you know, um, we didn't want to what you call sell out, you know, so we didn't yeah. want the, the core people that lived and breathed that culture. We didn't want them to, um, disconnect because we were growing to mm. into new markets and and, and that's really easy to happen in New Zealand too with the tall poppy thing people go oh you've yeah. got too big for your boots look at you going after yeah, you know yeah, more yeah. growth and you're like hey man I'm just trying to grow my business and well, it was a couple <laughs> of milestones I think I was about know? to talk about that later thing I'll back mm. it up you know like you know we predominantly stop wholesale only wholesale only from day one so you know um, we we're in the, the the likes of cheapskates um, iconic skateboard store been around for a long time um amongst other independent sort of skate stores and snowboard stores um and then i think it was 2001 uh, simon miller and cam chung um came to me about an opportunity to stock their new store in wellington called area 51 um and this this was quite a big moment for the brand again at the time didn't really feel like it was just a decision we had to make but um they were coming in with a Contemporary streetwear fashion store mm. um, in Wellington, very close to Cheapskates Wellington, being one of our you know huge supporters. Right. Um, uh, so they, you know, the brands are stocking. Um, you know, thinking that you know it was like Carhartt and um, dare I say G Star and mm. <laughs> Diesel yeah. at the time, and they were blowing you, up. At you the know, same time. it was like <laughs> yeah, it sounds funny now, but uh, you know, we were cool brands, you know. Um, and then you know the price points were elevated. Um, mm. But I think that if you get clarity in, in your decision making, it's actually quite easy. And clarity taps into your integrity. And you know, made the decision to go with these guys and go on their journey with a different type of store for the fact that the products that they uh, were stocking and the brands they were carrying uh, gave us the price points and the ability to really elevate mm. outside of just only having what at the time was quite baggy jeans and hooded sweatshirts and. I mean, there was scope within those categories, but we we could we had the home and the sort of the shelf space to really push ourselves and innovate and create new garments out of mm. uh, interesting new fabrications and sort of push push the boat for ourselves. So it kept us engaged and it kept us growing. So because you could to, have done that, kept that sort of cheapskates model going forever, and it just yeah. would have kind of slowly plotted along, probably yeah. getting you know incrementally bigger over time, but yeah, also your customers would be getting older and then obviously asking for more, demanding for change, wanting other items in their wardrobe to yeah. be designed by Huffer. Yeah. And Area 51 sounds like it gave you that pathway. Gave us that pathway. And then we, we entered that relationship and then quite quickly came out, became our number one store um, and had a great relationship. And then Area 51 expanded. And then, you know, we slowly opened up to a sort of a design conscious contemporary streetwear fashion customer, I suppose. Mm. Um, and that was exciting for us. So to make that decision, we weren't saying, hey, we're going to purposely try and sell out and make some more money. It was like, wow, this is a challenging new um, arena for us to um, mm. further ourselves and, and grow. So, you know, initially, I, I think, you know, some of our community might have um, second-checked it and some might, may have even switched off, but we made the decision with integrity. And I think that's really key. We're backing the good of, the growth of the brand more mm. so than the business. Mm. And it was really important. So that was, yeah, that was a, what seemed like an easy decision to make because we're listening to our, the soul of 
who we were and what and that still was. would have been relatively early on in the in the timeline, right? Yeah, yeah. We're mean, talking three, it, three, four years in. Three yeah, two thousand and one, two thousand two, kind of thing. Yeah. And fashion in New Zealand was going through an amazing time just then. You know, like you've got not only you guys were coming up, but brands like you. I mean, there's a ton mm. of labels that have been and gone um, mm-hmm. that were coming up around that time. But also, you saw the rise of the. Catherine Wilson's and the Juliet Hogan's and 27 Names yes. and Adrian Halewood's and yeah. those brands were coming up too at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And you guys being super young and, you know, sort of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, yeah. New Zealand had never really seen a burgeoning fashion uh, enterprise like that. We had Karen, Kate, Trelease, World, Nom D, even like Patrick Steele and brands like that, Zambezi included. But you guys really had this like an amazing ocean in front of you of young consumers going, we want New Zealand brands. We're happy to back them, you know? Yeah. And that, I mean, that came at a time when, you know, you, if you think we're influenced by, you know, the skateboarding element and, um, and snowboarding element, that, that sort of culture that we lived, which is highly, you know, driven by a mostly American culture uh, American skate culture, you know, for us to be in that world competing in, you know, predominantly, pre, you know, pre-Area 51 times, other American successful skate brands and knocking them out of the park, mm. then to, at a point, put New Zealand on a, on a T-shirt, which you think about that now, you're like, oh, yeah, well, every tourist store in, the, in New Zealand's done that. But at the time, no one had done it. And it was mm. like, it seemed like, you know, I think you you had a DigiMap T-shirt, right? Yep. And, yeah. And to wear it at the time, I was, even in, one your, I was in one of your campaigns, and you. Oh, yeah, of course you were. remember that, that little awesome. wee booklet. Yeah. And looking, they were like, Murray, look frightened. I was just Something, like something's yeah. falling on you. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, okay, I can do that. Up cardigan on that. Yeah, that's, cool. that's right. I was looking at it the other day. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> but you didn't sell too many of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that putting New Zealand on a T-shirt. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that. In New Zealand, we can look back on Huffer and go, what did they do? Okay, T-shirts, they didn't invent the T-shirt, whatever. But what I think you did for a whole generation is you made a lot of Kiwis feel incredibly proud to wear their country on their chest and wear something that said, I am from New Zealand in a fun, expressive, personal kind of way. And the thing was the timing of that. And, and you know, again, it it felt natural to do it, but the the risk – that we didn't really, I don't know, you know, the risk of, you know, in the, in the skateboard community or mm. the skateboard culture, I suppose, driven by American brands to go, you know what, fuck it. Like, yeah, um, we're just going to be ourselves and we're from New Zealand. So we're going to put New Zealand on a T-shirt. And it hadn't been done. The timing, you know, maybe New Zealand was a bit, you know, New Zealand's creative culture could have been a bit suppressed in certain areas. And it was like, we're coming out, like, you know, we're... We're proud, like, mm. and I remember going to, you know, I was lucky enough to get invited to a couple of cool parties in Greyland. So I was wearing my Digimap T-shirt with the map of New Zealand, but essentially on a, on a T-shirt. I felt like I had the coolest T-shirt in the world. I, I don't yeah. wouldn't feel like that now, but mm. so it was the timing, you know, it was like quite yeah. a unique proposition to do that. And I think it, it struck a tone in a certain time, and mm. you know, we got that right. Yeah, and, um, I think there was. I mean, if not that Lord of the Rings is the um, the 
be-all and end-all of New Zealand pride. But back then, that was also a massive, massive moment for New Zealand that we had this incredible mm. production that was being filmed here. And there you've got one of the biggest movie stars in the world throwing open his black suit jacket at the premiere to yeah. reveal a, an I Huffa NZ t-shirt underneath. Yeah, so like, get, yeah. <laughs> the stars really aligned for you and everyone was like, yeah, man, I've got one of those t-shirts too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, uh, so, so we get to the well, that my boy. <laughs> so that uh, it was interesting because um, I don't I don't even really know who I don't follow Hollywood stars so much. I didn't actually know who he was, but so much and um, but yeah, that you know the fact that he was wearing this like suit blazer um, and he's wearing one of our t-shirts. You know, we've got a bunch of skate mm. culture um, supporters and our original you know community and customers. I suppose just going what what the heck's happening here? But um. <laughs> You know, and the beauty yeah. of it, again, the timing of it, you know, social media was pretty much non-existent. So the channels of communication, because if that happened now, I'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. Mm. But the channels of communication were so focused. You know, there was like TV news, newspaper, and radio, mm. and we just blew up every channel. And there was, so, it was, yeah, it was very focused. So the fact that Orlando wore the T-shirt, it made the front pages of the paper, but everybody read the paper back then, mm. and it was a big deal. And there was you just weren't consuming so much um, mm. news or information. Yeah, there was um, fewer things that people dwelled on for yeah. longer. So yeah. then, and it made that you know, all of a sudden, this Hollywood star is wearing um, you know a Huffer I Huffer NZ T-shirts that are three ball logos upside down in the shape of a heart, so it says I love New Zealand. He's um, Walking down the red carpet, I think there's 200,000 people on the streets of Wellington, you know, mm. the biggest turnout for anything. And then um, he he used it as a, um, a tool to get crowd engagement. He kept opening his blazer and pointing at his T-shirt, which was our logo, and then the crowd would go, oh, my God, Orlando loves New Zealand. So he kept mm. doing it. So every photo was him in this T-shirt, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> and then, again, the, the focus channels of communication, it went everywhere. So... And then, you know, the New Zealand Herald came to us and said, wow, this is amazing. This is a huge opportunity. What are you going to do? And we're like, we're not going to make it. Mm. And um, there's a story behind that because that T-shirt had, you know, the result of that being on the red carpet was um, more so just a reflection of what, you know, that was the hot T-shirt to have at the moment. So at that time we were already limiting how much we were making on yeah. that T-shirt. So, and I remember you started to see like knockoffs on eBay and people yeah, yeah. on Trade Me like reselling their T-shirts for, you know, increased margins and all that kind of thing. And, and we got was, an order. We got an order from um, Germany. I don't know how legit it was, but it was like for a container load. You know, <laughs> what the heck? This yeah. is trouble. So, um, yeah, yeah. But, but again, an easy decision to make because the decision was already made. That was just a reflection of what was happening. The popularity mm. of the T-shirt. We're already limiting it. And we're like, so when the Herald called up and go, no, then. Again, that was the next front page story on the Herald for the second day. We're back on there. Mm. There's a photo of me wearing the T-shirt going, You can't have it. We're not going to make it. And then so, and I remember, I think, I can't remember the radio stations back then. It was like, uh, you know, Paul Holmes, R.O.P. and Mikey Havoc maybe on the BFM. So you had student radio, Mikey Havoc, Paul Holmes, and Paul Holmes was like, what is this New Zealand opportunity? Uh, Mm. I've bad impersonation. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, um, you know, and then Mikey Havoc, you know, the student – alternative radio station like good on them this is awesome yeah, go, yeah you know and there was all this chat and people calling up i was like wow how did this make how's yeah. how's this the biggest thing that's ever happened for the and day what <laughs> what brands would do these days and how much they would pay and how much how how they would try and orchestrate those moments and we very rarely see like Mikhail Gurman calls them moments of euphoria. Yeah. You know, when when every all the stars do align and everyone's concentrating on that one moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these days we'd call it going viral. 
But yeah, back then, yeah. it was it it did seem to permeate every pore of every person in the country that they yeah. were all talking about that one thing over the water cooler, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Crazy. And you know the fact that we're now talking about it twenty odd years later. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we'll be talking about lots of other viral moments in twenty three years that we've seen in the last twelve months. You know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I don't think it's not our greatest moment, but it, it's an interesting point. I suppose mm. it is a milestone, but. Just and, and it just to me it shows how much things have changed. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, absolutely. And if you were to try and you know start Huffer again, it'd be so hard to try and achieve some of those milestones. It's a different mm. world we live in. Absolutely. Hey, so speaking of adapting and changing and transitioning, you have obviously you know come through this two decade long journey. Yep. You know, wholesale Orlando t-shirts, stop yep. making t-shirts. <laughs> Technical outerwear and and all the while your business has been expanding and you've yeah. got into retail, which retail, has been yeah. hugely successful for you guys. And yeah. um, the last store I went into was actually your one in two double seven in Newmarket, which is cool. amazing. Oh, Bought you. my nephew some shorts with bright yellow bananas on them two summers ago. Great, uh, love uh, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Steve, I suppose what I wanted to get into is more the sense that it feels like the business is really humming for you. Yeah. And you as a director are probably less about, not that you're ignoring it, but you're probably less about the the nitty-gritty details of every single part that's going on in the front end of the business. And you've been able to step back slightly and go, okay, what's the broader vision for the company? What are we doing here? Are we still building communities? Are we connecting with people? Because yeah. you can get lost in the weeds yep. when you've got any business, right? You, you look at the details too much, then all of a sudden you've lost sight of the big picture. Yeah. And two things, well, one before we get to Huffer House, but your connection with Mental Health Awareness Week. Yeah. A few years ago when you started that, that's two, three years old now, that relationship? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, more like three to four. Three to four. Yeah. So talk us through that because for me, I think this year a lot more people have been talking about taking care of your mental health, especially through COVID. Everyone's had an absolute crazy year. Yep. And you've got to stay connected and in touch with yourself. Now for a brand to say, actually, guys, listen up, this is not a, an uncool thing to do. In actual fact, it's quite the opposite. And I'm going to bring on board a whole bunch of our community you know, like you talk about hospitality heroes, baristas, yeah. sports yeah. people, DJs, stylists, and go, these are your people too. Yeah. And they've all got their own journeys. Yeah. What was the catalyst for you to do that? And, and how has that helped the business? Right, yeah. Well, um, I suppose there's, you know, through the journey of growing the brand and um, building awareness around it, we were always going to approach by charities um, throughout from you know the early 2000s and I think I even believe I've worked with you on some mm. um, and they're all mostly been really good you know and uh, we you know I'm naturally a giver and want to give where, where where I can where it has meaning and purpose and so we engage ourselves and had done over the time and you know given invaluable time resource energy money whatever it may be but I managed to just sort of catch a breath and go right well you know we want to give and give back where we can so what what's really, what's important and what, you know, if we were to focus on one thing, what would it be? Mm. And um, I suppose, um, you know, um, you know, our new executive team and, um, you know, get our, our people internally together, um, just deciding on what's really important. Mental health is number one, you know, mm. and that we, I feel that we have a responsibility 
you know, we're sort of, you know, to look at it negatively, we're in the art of tricking people into <laughs> making themselves feel better about themselves if they buy our products, you know. Mm. Um, that's not what, what we're trying to do. But, you know, I, I, I feel there's a certain responsibility to, you know, especially our, our target market to to uh, try and give back in that area. Um, and then, you know what, the, you know, firstly, it just gave us opportunity to say no to a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And say no is good because it gives us the focus to do one thing and do it right. So, you know, we made that decision four years ago, Garrett. What is, what is important? Mm. We naturally want to give. Um, mental health is very important. So I went on a journey. I came up with the idea of people presence as a, as a banner or, a, you know, a, a, a flagged, um, which to me means, you know, people being present, but also reversed being present for people, yep. you know, which is very simple. Um, so we're sort of exploring and we're on this journey with it. Um, I, I, I'll put my hand up. I'm absolutely no expert in mental health. Um, I know everybody has mental health, um, mm. obviously, including myself. Um, it can sometimes be good in a good place and, and sometimes you can be mentally, mentally unhealthy. So, um, I, I think having what we have built, which is an engagement with a certain um, community, um, and we have channels and ways of communicating to people through building that up, mm. is our responsibility to use that you know, in a responsible way, yeah. um, and use it more as a more as a platform. And you know, if if you talk about um, over the you know the past uh, mental health awareness week. We um, focus on the idea of connection, you know, coming out of mm. COVID and as you've talked about, connection is so important. But we, instead of um, trying to preach, we um, used our platform and responsibly and let other people tell their stories and, mm. you know, spread the stories um, through the channels and build awareness. And, and a you know, our responsibility as a brand to um, make it okay to talk about it, yeah. you know. Um, because yeah, people I are think, tuned in. I, not everybody's tuned in to Huffer, but we do have some people. So it's <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, I suppose for for you guys, for you in particular, for the brand, for other people and the generation that you came up through, you're totally right. You know, before saying that we kind of sometimes, if we use a kind of a dirty description of what we do, we are. You know, it's a little bit of a a manipulation of saying, hey, fashion's going to make your life better. Yeah. And sometimes it does, gives you a little hit of dopamine, retail yeah, therapy, right. makes you feel great. But I think there is an immense responsibility for people as they get older, they can look back, they can use their time and experience to share with other people and make them feel better about where they may be. Mm. It, there's a huge uh, onus on on people like yourself and, and me and others to go, actually, we've been through some crazy journeys, ups and downs, learned stuff, lost stuff, um, had some failings and some wins. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay to feel like you're down on the dumps, you know. And unfortunately, social media is making it so much more, like those emotions way more heightened. That's right. You know, people always feel like they're missing out. That's you know? right. Um, Including myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so it leads us nicely onto Huffer House, which... It seems like a pretty epic undertaking, and I've only just seen a couple of the pictures. And yeah, yeah. just for anyone listening, right now is Tuesday the 3rd of November, and Steve opens Huffer House on Thursday the 5th of That's November. Right. <laughs> uh, so it's amazing that he's taken some time to talk to us today. But what I'm really fascinated by is your, your and your company's 
shift in focus from purely selling product to actually putting money and time and resource behind forming a hub for people to connect where they're coming to without the sole purpose of shopping more Huffa yeah. or, you know, joining your Instagram feed or whatever that may yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's really been done. I mean, do, um, I suppose a lot well, of people... Yeah, we haven't copied it from anywhere. So No, just, but <laughs> even in New Zealand, it's, yeah. it's... And I think it represents a shift in thinking. And again, you're a leader and your brand can do things that maybe other brands would only wish to be able to do. But I think it's an amazing idea. You know, and again, I haven't seen the architecture of the space, but talk us through the concept and what it will be like and what you'd love for people to experience when they're there. Okay, you're well, I'm going to just back you right up a bit. Um, <laughs> um, and just have a, you know, just sort of uh, fill in the listeners um, on Huffer Retail, mm. um, opening our first store in uh, 2011. Yep. 11. Um, so, which gave us a, um, a footprint and a chance and a door mm. and, a, and a place to speak and connect and have a direct connection to our customer and a, and a door that was open so people can walk in. Um, that was an amazing experience. Um, you know, I, I, that was a new market in Nuffield Street, um, which we've moved that store since. But um, just so exciting to have a closer connection to people, um, to be able to tell the entire story from the music mm. you play to um, – the way the people that you, serve you, the yeah, language they use, yeah, just all the right? senses, you know, the smell, everything. Yeah. Um, so you know, we're quite new, new to retail, and we're really excited about it. I was going, you know, I was in the store as much as I could be, and loved it. And then, you know, so we grew. Um, we're actually coming through quite a hard period, and and retail. Not only was it that, but at the same time, um, you know, Dan left the business in 2010, and now I was the the sole standing co-founder mm. so it was like time to take a direction and mm. uh, retail gave us the ability to tell a story um with a bit more clarity i suppose mm. and a bit, bit of leadership so it would have um, been a few few years out of the gfc too so the business itself would have been literally building back from yeah would would actually to be honest we've been hit quite hard and yeah we're sort of beaten up and a bit bruised so mm. retail was also cash flow yeah um you know when you have a wholesale model you uh make and design uh, ranges which take months you have a sample range you take orders you then produce products into that, that cycle can be up to a year yeah and you then you're gonna fund the like whole process the, in, yeah. and the very last six months of that timeline right yeah yeah so it's not not so good on cash flow <laughs> um but we thought you know um having having retail would also enhance our wholesale and help us have a confident footing within the market and be able to tell the story have the doors mm. and so we grew and we um you know within trying to look look our wounds and repair um, you know, it also did good things for the brand, you know, it gave it that touch point. So then we grew more and we opened more stores. And then um, fast forward, because we haven't all day, but um, it got to a point at the end of last year where we just sort of we were growing by opening stores and improving our systems and processes so we could deliver stuff on time. And, and there was time I was like, wow, we just we, we need to have a, a breather mm. and work out. And what you touched on earlier, just like, what, what is the purpose of the brand and why, why, why are we here? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've managed to, you know, fix the wounds, get the place, you know, get the business, operate the operations were coming together and now it's time to, um, we managed to find some space in the end of last year, 2019, for the last three or four months, I managed to get my space, which you talked about, mm. and um, I engaged with some great people in Sydney and um, went on the journey to define the brand. Um, if we think about the early days, um, 
you know, there was, you know, at the start, two of us and quite quickly, three, four, five or six of us for mm-hmm. a long time. And we were sitting around in Grey's Ave, as you say, and we managed to move down to the biggest space and we're skateboarding backwards and forwards <laughs> in, the, in the office. And we all intuitively knew what to do. We knew how to speak. We knew yeah. we were the market. But now, you know, we have an operation in our head offices. We have 30 people mm. and then we have retail. And I think, you know, last summer, you know, Christmas retail, we picked out at like over 170 staff, you know. Wow. Um, so, so I was like, wow, we've really scaled up. Um, but no one knows the story, you know. Mm. Um who is or they have fragments of it, and yeah, and it's like, a hard story to tell. Yeah, um, so so I went on a mission to try and work all that out, cool. um, and I, I worked with these great people in Sydney who have become dear friends mm. um, because it was such an emotional ride. Where I basically went into Sydney, went into a room the size of this, <laughs> and we spewed up huffer, just spewed it up for like weeks, wow. and just like stuff on the walls and just writing down things and just the highs and the lows and the absolute lows and the highs mm. and just all the stories and just got it all out, you know, and like processed it and just put it in front of us and just let it distill. And then, mm. then got other people, invited other people into this four months process. And then, you know, these geniuses that, um, you know, they're, they're not going to tell me what Huffer is, but they've got the tools and the, and the skills to really put the support around doing this process. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and now I come through it, you know, um, and not, not that it's a defined finished project, but um, it's just so crazy, you know. <laughs> like our mission is to earn the respect in the community, you know. And it took four months to get that out, you know. Mm. And that, there's so much that feeds from that. And it just comes back to like how and why we started. And that's a new mission. Um, and being able to have the toolkit to actually clearly communicate that to not only our staff, but to our to our to a to a wider community and customer, you know, because mm. uh, without them there ain't no brand. Yeah, so there's no company, you know. So our mission is to cre- uh, to earn the respect of the community, and uh, and our promise is to create the opportunities to hang out. Um, you know, awesome. if we think about the very first um, product range we did, which was only waterproof breather or outerwear with maybe one or two knitwear pieces, there was no t-shirts even. Mm. You know, it gave that ability of snowboarders to be together and have purpose and have a meaning and have a have a product that gave them the opportunity to express themselves um, and hang out. So um, <laughs> it feeds down. There's so much in that, you know, and that, that was just such a big thing to go through. But there's so many tools and so many realizations. And now it's this, you know, 23 years of being scrambled mm. of all these experiences and all these uh, intuitive decisions that are right and wrong and, all the, all the hardships and the successes um, now condensed down to like very simplified toolkit that yeah. I can speak about in a much easier manner <laughs> <laughs> rather than, oh, you know, you know, so yeah. like, you know, it's, it should be just kind of like this. Because when you say, uh, oh, you know, like, you know, back in like the early 2000s, yeah, like yeah. so many of your customers are like, I wasn't born then. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was it like? How did you start again? Oh, man. Yeah, well, that's actually part of that period through that retail, just to take a little side um, uh, interlude. Uh, you know, being in our store in Newmarket, I think we were 16, 17 years old, and I would just shot a campaign with Zara, actually, Zara Merkin. Mm. And it was, on, it was on the walls, and all the new product was in, and we had these, like, schoolgirls from Newmarket coming in, and they were clearly younger than 17. And I could see them engaging with the brand and the product, and I was like, and it was just this real big moment. I was like, wow, we're, like, 
I don't know if it's such a word, intergenerational, you know, yeah. like, um, and when, they don't need like back when you founded it, everyone that knew you connected with the brand. And then there was the special community that you were creating around you and Dan, yeah, yeah. you know, and the other people that revolved around and around that. Yeah. Yeah. And to have those new communities be created without having to know you or your background or the last 23 years of the company. Yeah. All of those people have their own experience now with the brand. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's really, really exciting. Because yeah, yeah. that shows you that it has a future, which will probably outlast you. Yeah, yeah, you I know? hope so. Yeah. I hope so. It shouldn't be about me at all. Um, so, yeah, so getting on to that, like coming back, at, you know, what's leading us to the house was mm. like, wow, um, <laughs> if we're going to do retail, it, it has to adhere to our mission and to create the, um, well, to, sorry, to um, earn the respect in the community but and do it by creating the opportunity to hang out. Very simple. So... Um, if I come back, we've we'd been doing that, you know. We think mm. about the basement, forty two Grays Ave. Mm. If anybody's been there, you know, it was like a circus. You know, it was like free coffee Fridays, free coffee Fridays, years and years and years on end. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, again, it wasn't you know out of a marketing textbook. Is we got a coffee machine down the basement, and I was like, I text five friends going, "Come get a coffee." I'm going to try and improve my skills, and then five people came down, ten people came down. Before you know it, we've got like. We do music show- showcases. We got mm. like 150 people there. Our Lord came down to make pancakes once. You know, yeah. like, wow, how did that happen? We didn't try. You know, and that was just purely out of the want to create. You know, create the opportunities for people to hang out and be mm. part of it. To me, Huffer is that space. Mm. And to me now, what will be Huffer is Huffer House, and we're gonna. It's a modern day version of the basement. Um, right. And so the basement happened, but now we know the principles behind it. We're, you know, rolling that out with the priority um, of that to, you know, to be what is our new retail, mm. which is the Huffer mm. House. So awesome. less product, more storytelling, um, you know, more space, um, free coffee, <laughs> put that in, um, music <laughs> showcase, podcast we want to do down there. I'd right. love to, we, you know, do a collab on a podcast down there. But, awesome. you know, we got this big central yellow desk and yellow is our color for people presence and mm. the yellow desk it's you'll you know you'll see it and when you come down but it's weighty you can mm. lean on it you know like mm. it's a desk that supports yes you can make a sale around it but you can also get a coffee you can have a conversation you can do some work around it mm. um we'll do a music showcase around it and we'll also host a podcast around it so amazing uh, and you know lightly referencing you know connection people people presence um so yeah it's gonna it's got it's going to have great purpose. We're not going to get it right either. So I, I do get nervous talking about um, that's a lot of activation and energy and effort. Yeah, and we are opening in two days. And Yeah, but you don't have to do it all in the first week. No, no, you know, no. This is a 5, like 10, 20-year project <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. or longer. So just like Free Coffee Fridays evolved, just like Huffers evolved, just like your design and your company and yeah. the manifestation of your communities and how mm. they've spread throughout New Zealand and the world, you know, like yeah. – no one's expecting you guys to do it all in a week. Yeah. No matter how much pressure there is on you from social media to be like, what else are you going to do next week? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. you'll get it. Yeah, and to me, it's it's experimentation. So um, I, f- I feel if I back up again, you know, doing going through that massive brand definition project, um, it's, you know, man, I can see our product a year ahead, you know, the mm. our design and our direction. And it's so exciting. It's like we now have a clear... You know, we've got 
you know, head offs, 30 people all working their asses off to try and go in a direction. We've set the direction and our products are on such a path. We know who we are. We can get it done. There's no, there's less confusion. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I think half a house is just a part of it. The product's going to be a massive part of it. And it's so exciting. And I think having the house is an experimental field for us to try things, you know, it mm. might not, we might want to do podcasts, you know, mm. you're talking about your frequency of podcasts. You've got to put energy into these things. We might, we, we might find that the music showcase thing really sticks and we want to harbor and give a platform and invest in up and coming artists and give them the bandwidth and the channels and connections to um, communicate with the world mm. um, and try these things out and then try, um, you know, Use it to try and tell the deeper story and the meaning behind the brand and the product within the store without having the pressure of, um, you know, having a certain amount of SKUs and styles in there and yeah. jamming it full of product and stack it high, let it fly mentality, yeah. you know, like. And, and also measuring the success of the space purely on turnover that week. Or yeah, did yeah. we hit our targets? It's like, it, I, I mean, I, it feels to me like that won't be the premise of the spot. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you would have got the place in the highest foot traffic area, like you said, as much shelf and rack space as you possibly could get. Yeah. And then just it's all about selling things, you know. But, you know, with COVID, like, a lot of people um, had to move to digital, right? Like the whole globe did, and they improved their game, you know. Mm. And the, the people are really good at it, extremely good at it. People like us were actually, to be honest, our digital games, um, you know, we're not we're not leaders um, uh, and we're not world class, but... Um, we now have the tools to get there. But um, but anyway, like with digital, you know, the explosion of digital and online shopping, especially with COVID, you know, my, my parents are a great example. You know, um, they're over 70, they're keeping away from the supermarkets. They hate computers, but they had to order online. And mm. then they go, oh, well, so it saves your order from last week. So and you can just <laughs> add something. So they're, they're forced to learn how good it actually is, you know. Yeah. And then those habits stick around. So, so you know, if we're, if we're going to open real tactile retail, why not go in the absolute opposite direction mm. and make it uber sensory, you know, mm. um, to balance out an improved digital world so that there's more of a gap and, um, and yeah, and play around and experiment with those things. Mm. And then that will, you know, enable us to, we're in an incubation period of this transition of having this new information, that this journey I've been, been on with the brand to then... Yeah, incubate in a well-supported market being New Zealand. Use the house uh, to reach and connect and create communities and then take that to the world eventually. Mm. Amazing. Thanks, Steve. This has been a great chat, man. That was good times. Eh? We should do yeah. more often. <laughs> hey, what's the, what's the address of Huffer House for anyone who's listening? Uh, 34 Custom Street East next to the Tiffany building at the base of the Hotel Britomart. Nice. And it's open Thursday the... 5th of November. Yeah, it's kind of like a soft launch and then the <laughs> official one's going to be Friday. <laughs> All right. Well, if <laughs> yeah. anyone's listening, get yeah. down there. Steve will probably be there. Yes. Uh, he'll make you a coffee and uh, show you what he's up to. and Come for a chat. Come for a chat and connect. That's what it's there for. Amazing. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. All right. That was the latest from Fashion and Focus. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of our conversation. Check out more of our episodes on your favorite podcast feed and get in touch with us at fashionandfocus at showroom22.com.